Welcome to episode six of the Think Bigger series. Today, Philippa and I are joined by our colleague Chris Faust to tackle the subject of imposter syndrome. We talk about some of the signs of imposter syndrome, the impacts it may have on you and your career, ways to deal with it and how your business can really help support. And we ask the question, is it real? Hi, welcome to episode six of the Think Bigger series. Um, today, we're joined by Chris, a colleague of Philip and I is at SRG. Um, first time you've joined us, Chris, so welcome. Thank you. Hello. Good to, good to have you here. Um, and we're going to be tackling the two of you, I think, and I'll, I'll maybe ask you guys some questions and share my opinions as, as we go through. But tackling a subject that came up off the back of a, a poll actually that we ran on LinkedIn to ask kind of those that, that are listening to our podcast on what they wanted to to hear and imposter syndrome um came out on top I think I can't remember what percentage it was now I think it was over 50 percent of of those that voted wanted us to tackle the tub subject of imposter syndrome so um there you go so let's start as we always do um by probably putting a, a bit of a definition around it, or certainly maybe even the history around it, where does it come from? Because certainly for me, it's not something that I knew loads about um, before I started researching. So, Philippa, as you normally do, do you want to kick us off with a bit of a bit of a definition, um, and then Chris can maybe give you give your take on it after? Yeah, yeah sounds good. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So, similar to yourself, um, Jacob, I'd heard sort of the term sort of mentioned and it's definitely been spoken about more so in the last sort of 12 months but yeah for me imposter syndrome I guess it's that fear of being found out um, that fear of being kind of exposed as a fraud um, and for me it's somebody that despite them being successful they may have the right competencies the right achievements they just find it very difficult to believe that they're a success and, and if they are successful they may put that down to you know just good luck um so yeah that's probably how i would define it okay so effectively got there through luck rather than hard work is that what i'm hearing yeah yeah they, they just even despite sort of external evidence of their competencies they're still convinced they're fraud and they're not worthy of these achievements okay and chris similar yeah, very, very much similar. Um, I think I think for me, especially looking more into it, I think it's more of a case of how, how you feel at that time. I think I took more from the, the, the background to it rather than that feeling of being caught out. For me, it, it came across a lot more in regards to that. As Philippa said, feeling like you've gained success from luck, um, that right time, right place, and really not being being able to be proud of what you've achieved or the success that you've had, because there's that stopper there of thinking, well, actually, it probably wasn't all me. It wasn't all me that did this. You know, I was right place, right time. I, you know, got, got hold of it at the right time and, and, and went from there. So I think, yeah, I read more into it as a, as a feeling of not being worthy of even appreciation or success or, or completing something in, in the right way. Okay, so you both talk. You both talk about getting somewhere. So getting somewhere by luck, or you know, right place, right time, and achievements associated with that. 
So does this imposter syndrome only manifest itself, therefore, in successful people? Philippa, I don't know if that's something that you've given thought to. No, that's a really good question, actually. Um, I think there's definitely a correlation with people with imposter syndrome in that when they get success, um, as Chris said, that they can't quite believe it or they'll just put it down, um, just put it down to look. But also, certainly from my experiences and speaking to sort of colleagues um, that have struggled with imposter syndrome, I think it can start off for people that are quite successful, perhaps, but then it can almost manifest into a vicious cycle in that perhaps if something does go wrong, I think for me, if you've got imposter syndrome, how you respond to that failure can further then knock your self-confidence down versus somebody perhaps that doesn't suffer from it and perhaps sees that then as an opportunity to develop. So potentially, yes, it could start more with people experiencing success, but I think it almost goes around in a bit of a vicious circle. Okay. And, and Chris? What, what do you yeah, I, I definitely agree with the circle side of things, but I think um, I think it's too difficult to almost define success or what a successful person is. Um, I, I think there's there's obviously success in, in, in a business sense if you see that as someone that's you know gained promotions, moving up through the ranks, and is maybe in a in a senior level position. But I think the imposter syndrome side of things that doesn't have to be a successful person or what you what you deem is successful because it creeps into absolutely everyday life i think there's so mm. much activity that it can creep into that i think it's too difficult to define it as people that are deemed as successful tend to get it more or less i mean just that's interesting yeah, so just to say on that point, um, for me personally, I feel it more when I'm giving praise. Um, so when I've done something successful and somebody praises me, sometimes I'll think, oh, you know, as Chris said before, I just got a bit lucky or I just happened to be in the right time at the right place. Um, I tend to experience it more then where if I've not, if, if maybe I've made a mistake or I'm getting feedback in terms of development, I'm almost, I'm almost waiting for that and I'm expecting it. So I actually do feel it more when I have been successful and that's when I'll kind of doubt, well, was that down to me or was that more the influence of others? So that's my personal take on it. I definitely feel it more when I'm perceived as being successful in my role. Okay, and having worked with you, yeah, I, I I agree with that. Like you've always said, you're not great at, at getting sort of good feedback, are you? <laughs> or sort of taking a well done. <laughs> you, you're not you're not great at that. Um, you made Can two I ask really good. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, sorry. Um, so, if, if for example you, you you notice it more when when you're being praised, do you think that's because you're expecting that follow-up of your own personal development from someone else? Or do you actually receive praise that you personally don't see that as success for you? I think, I don't know, maybe it's, be, I think as a leader, I will always wrap up the, sex, the success more in that it was my team members. Um, it was what they done, not me. And even if somebody's given me personal praise in terms of this is what you've done, you know, well done. I think I'm almost I'm always waiting for the but or I don't just just doesn't quite land with me but I think I don't know whether that's because certainly within our business we do a lot of public praise and I think I perhaps I, I don't know for me people with imposter syndrome sometimes public praise 
doesn't always land as well with those that don't have it. So I think sometimes it's the way in which that feedback is delivered can make a massive impact in terms of how that person receives it. Yeah, okay. Interesting. So I'm like listening to you both talk there. And then I think <laughs> it's really, you know what? It's really interesting. I never thought I was going to talk about a Disney film um, when talking about imposter syndrome. <laughs> um, but whilst, whilst I'm listening to you both, right? I don't know if you've seen it. If you haven't, then go and watch it. And that's to everyone. But it's a new Disney film on Disney Plus called Raya and the Last Dragon. Um, absolutely wicked film. Funny, great, um, based on sort of, I think, Chinese mythology. Um, but ultimately, there's a scene in there um, right at the start where Raya, the dragon, um, gets found. And it's all like, I'm going to give the story away here, aren't I? Um, but it gets <laughs> found and, uh, and, and the character in the film's like, oh, my gosh, wow, you're incredible. You're a dragon and you're amazing. And Raya's like, well, actually, I'm not the best dragon. And and then she said, and I think this relates into what you're saying, Chris, about um, what is success, how do you define success? Because she then says, have you ever kind of been part of a, a group project at school? And you didn't really do that much. We didn't think you did that much, but you still got the credit for it. And I think that's that kind of stems into what you're saying, Philippa, which is about when I watched that, I was like, I laughed and chuckled to myself and thought, God, yeah, I relate to that. Um, but I think it stems into what you're saying, Philippa, where you actually don't recognise the work that you did within that project. Um, you think, oh, it was everyone else. And I think, Chris, it then kind of goes where you challenge me on, OK, maybe it's not just successful people or what is success. And actually, imposter syndrome could stem from like, I don't know, you're in year three, you're working on a class project, you do do your bit, you get the credit, but actually you think that everyone else has done the work and you kind of had that self-doubt manifest itself. Yeah. So never thought I'd bring Raya and the Last Dragon into an imposter syndrome <laughs> thing, but <laughs> that clip right at the start, actually, I think summarises it quite well. And I found myself kind of chuckling when they said, when they used that. Um, so maybe it was more relatable than, than I thought. So no, good point. And then your second point, Philippa, which is around kind of um, feedback and, team culture and I think that we can sort of come back to that which is about sort of how workplaces can can support that because I think feedback's a really important part to this um, so it'd be interesting to come back to that in a bit but before we kind of move on then to talk about how it manifests itself how do we deal with it I read and you guys have probably read it as well that it's not actually like on the official diagnose, diagnosis list of um, mental disorders it's a phenomenon um and whilst it's acknowledged by psychologists it's a phenomenon so i'm going to kind of ask you both does it exist is it a is it actually should it be recognized as a mental disorder or is it just something that we feel um I, I'll, I'll go first for the question of mine um I, I i think um, for me, I, I see it as a gateway. Um, I, I think that there's loads of loads of factors that stem off the back of it. You know, you, know, you get the words are kind of chucked around alongside it with you know anxiety, you know depression, and you know lack of confidence and and that type of thing. But I don't think there's it, it can manifest into those things, but I think we need to look at it as, as a massive factor and almost a gateway into 
potentially you know big bigger problems whether that's mental health or or you know what working through the ranks whatever it may be um i think it's really important to you know at least acknowledge it because i think anything along along this spectrum is, is that the quicker you can acknowledge it and understand it and work with it the the less likely things are to become worse okay okay and philippa um, I mean, for me, I, I do feel it exists, um, irrespective, I guess, of whether that's been formally recognised or not. I think if people can get into that pattern and don't, just don't have that ability to internalise, um, you know, and acknowledge their own successes, then, yeah, I think it does exist. And I think it's definitely something that we need to sort of keep talking about and speaking about, because if it's going to stop people, if it's going to mean that people can't enjoy their own success and perhaps hinder people or, or sadly get people into poor working habits then yeah for me I think it definitely exists I guess however way it's kind of labeled up uh, um, for me I think it definitely exists and I think it exists for anyone at any time in their career or in their personal life I think regardless of what success they've had before okay so I struggle with it if I'm honest um if I'm being really kind of like looking internally about how I feel about this topic, I'm, I'm struggling. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm struggling right now to define it. I think there's so many blurred lines. There's so many words that get wrapped up into it. Um, we'll, I think we can come back to this point at the end of the conversation and kind of have a debate around it. But I just wanted to kind of set a foundation maybe to where we're all coming from. Um, I think right now and I may feel differently at the end of this conversation um self-doubt um anxiety depression all those words together have an impact on somebody and you can feel those things in work and right now I'm think I'm struggling to see how then you just then go and put one label over it or this is how it feels to me one label over it that encompasses those three so let's let's try and process this a little bit talk about how it manifests itself and see if i still feel the same at the end or if maybe we've got a different different viewpoint so philippa you mentioned you've spoken to to colleagues or friends or what have you for those people that may think maybe do i have do i have this have i dealt with this before but maybe not know how would they recognize it how does this manifest itself in people yeah so i mean i i kind of reached out to a few colleagues just to sort of understand their experiences and um, speaking to one of my my colleagues that i work with um for her she very much felt she'd experienced imposter syndrome i think she'd read something one day about the subject and it was all it was just that instant connection and recognition oh gosh this all kind of makes sense and it was kind of a bit of a light bulb moment folks it made her kind of realize that's what she'd gone through herself and essentially she'd moved from very sort of generalist recruitment obviously over to SRG so student scientific and I think working with ex-scientists recruiting for scientists and not having the academic scientific background she always felt that if she had any success or obviously the placement or she'd had any positive feedback from our customers she always felt that you know they're going to figure out one day that she doesn't know what she's talking about or she's going to be exposed as this fraud um, or that she's not clever enough to operate in this space and I think as time went on and I think this was something that she was able to do with obviously support from myself and the wider business but I think what she can started to recognize and I think she had the competencies to recognize this is that 
yes in our industry you do want to have a good scientific background but actually she realized what her personal strengths were which is recruitment which is having those kind of engaging conversations with clients and candidates and actually because of she didn't have the technical background she ended up having to you know she asked really good questions she made time to really understand the science and actually in many cases understood the science better than some of the people in the team and as a result now she doesn't she doesn't feel that her success is down to luck and timing that but it's because of her skills and her personal strength so a really nice success story um, and and something I thought was worth sharing absolutely um I'm gonna there's something you mentioned there about that working harder um piece um that I think is a real a real issue um and an impact from people who who may suffer from whatever this whatever this is um i, li- I listened to a ted talk lou solomon don't know if i of you listened to it uh, on imposter syndrome and the way she described is describes it is almost like carbon copy um i think she says something about creeping in the back door of a theater um getting kind of near the front of the stage or something like that without a ticket um, but constantly that feeling of looking over your shoulder to see if the bouncer is going to come and say, right, get out, you know, grab hold of you <laughs> and drag you out. Um, and I guess maybe whoever, you know, the colleague that you're talking about, um, they may, they probably maybe felt like that moving into SRG, you know, <laughs> when's, when's Philippa or Kelly or I don't know, another manager in the business going to come and go, right, come on, out you get, you know, nothing about science. Um, you're not you're not here so maybe that summarized it quite nicely um chris anything to add to that through either your own experiences or colleagues or friends experiences i i I think that was a really good example because i think by by the sound of that it was a case of it it was that colleague making their own self down um almost let let them take control to begin with um I mean, I, I think, you know, good, asking for help and understanding more of the science bit, it was great, but it was it was the fact of looking at other ways for for you to build that confidence with them. Um, I mean, me personally, I, there would genuinely be a thousand examples of of when this imposter syndrome is kicked in for me. And, and it's it's across work. It's across life. I, you know, I, I, I can I can label it in, in in so many instances, you know, even. Back, back in the early recruitment days when, when you you know you receive your first role and you think god i've got no idea how to find this person or you know you have to present something for the first <laughs> yeah your hands are clammy and whatever it might be and and you know even on a, on a personal basis having a newborn that was absolutely terrifying because i just oh my god chris when you're just talking about that personal life that is what flashed through my mind. Sorry to talk over you, but it's crazy no, that you good. just said that because I was then like, when you make some personal life, it's not something that I've thought of before. And I think that is it, isn't it? It's like, that's exactly it. People describe it as when you first get given that baby and you go home from the hospital with your child. I mean, look, all three of us are parents on this on this conversation, right? And you, I genuinely felt like someone was going to come and say, sorry, no, it's not yeah, yours, we made a mistake. <laughs> we're, going, we're going over <laughs> i've got a young dad right so for me it genuinely felt like what the heck are we doing now you know yeah. um that's a really yeah that's a really good point 
the, the biggest one for me was the drive home. The first drive home, I genuinely completely felt like I couldn't drive. I was like, okay. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a skilled enough driver to have this kid on board <laughs> with me as a newborn. And I was absolutely terrified. I mean, I'm, I must have done 10, 15 miles an hour the whole way home. Yeah, I think I did. I've never really, looked at my mirror. You know, Mirror signal maneuver. <laughs> ten and ten and two. Ten yeah. to two. <laughs> Absolutely everything you can think of, um, and and you know it, it, we got through it in the end. Um, but I, I I see that is is a, you know part of a part of a, a, you know imposter syndrome, even the driving thing, because you know you can drive, you can not drive with your eyes closed, but you can you know you feel like you could. But at that point, those those emotions and those feelings completely take over your, you know, even your subconscious. Everything goes out the window, and you're so transfixed on that fear. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think for me, it, it, it's absolutely it's absolutely everywhere. It's the it's the first time you do something that's even slightly outside of your comfort zone. Um, or when, or even when you return to something that is inside your comfort zone, you know, if you, I could, it could be anything, you know, work related, personal related. But if again, I go back to the presenting side of things, and I don't think I've ever given a presentation where I haven't been nervous and thought, oh, they're, they're not going to like this. I don't think this is this is good enough. Yes, yeah, I think so. I get, I completely get that. Um, but I think there are two different things going on there. Like for me, like I'm not a doctor, right? I'm not an MD, but there are two different things going on there. There is one thing that absolutely is about, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have this. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't have this newborn baby. I shouldn't have this job title. Like for me, that should be standalone, absolutely imposter syndrome. And then I think there's something else that I have spoken openly about on a previous episode, which is, absolute anxiety generalized anxiety um self-doubt all of those different things that i think are very unique and different and should be absolutely recognized by themselves and then i think on the and then as i mentioned a second ago on the flip side there is imposter syndrome that i think should be completely separate to this um because i didn't feel like anxiety that i feel in other times of of life i didn't feel um self-doubt when I was driving home with my child I mean, it's very personal feelings right we're talking about feelings here um but I did feel like how am I allowed to have this baby when I bought my first house I thought how am I able to have this house you know all of those different things so I think it's quite different and one of the biggest frustrations that I had when I was researching this is that people try and wrap up so many different words into what imposter syndrome is yeah. and I don't know if I agree with it. But then just into it there then, Jacob, I think on yeah. the flip side of that, and I don't disagree with what you're saying. There's a lot of stuff out there, but I think certainly it's about people having those light bulb moments. I think, you know, I'm not a big fan of just sticking labels on things um, as and when, but equally it's about having those moments going, okay, actually I recognize what this is and mm. I've got an opportunity here to try and do something about it because as I was saying earlier, otherwise it has the potential of just going round and round in that vicious circle. And I think 
because we're talking about it even now, I, I've reflected over the last few days in preparation for this podcast, and I've recognised things in myself where I've thought, do you know what, whether it's imposter syndrome or it's anxiety, the fact is I've recognised it and I've kind yeah. of realised where it could potentially hold me back, whether that's in my personal life or in my career. So I think it's just having that opportunity to reflect and hopefully having the mindset to go, do you know what, I've got an opportunity to do something about it, even just recognising it, whether you call it, imposter syndrome or work-related anxiety I guess or whatever not to sound flippant I think it's good to be talking about it and I'm kind of glad it's got a name oh, because then it's a universal thing that we can all kind of sort of talk talk to each other about yeah I agree and I think I, yeah I, I think it needs a name and I think it, it, it I personally I, I definitely think that it that it exists I think it's mm. There's so much more to it than, than just giving it a name. And we, we, we could, you know, we could say the same thing about stress. Does stress really exist? Or is it actually a mixture of fear and anxiety? Mm-hmm. And it's, if someone says to you, I'm really stressed, and you don't reply with, okay, well, you know, let's look at that and understand what the issues are. It could be that they're not actually stressed. They're more anxious. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've lost confidence in something, which is then a knock-on effect to causing them stress because they didn't tackle that anxiety or, or you know, confidence before. So I think, you know, yeah. imposter syndrome for one, it's it, like you say, it's such a vague and open area of, of things that could potentially be happening that is seen as negative. But unless you get, you know, down to the nuts and bolts and the bones of it, it, it might not seem like a real thing. It might seem like a label, but ultimately, that's that's the starting point is to yeah. is to start that conversation. No, absolutely. Yeah. I think it does need one. I think it needs. It's, well, I'm not going to answer that. We're going to come back to that. Does it exist, or what needs to happen next with it in a minute? Philippa, you picked up on a, on a good point there um, at the end of your sentence, which was that will hold me back in my career. So let's move on to that then, and let's. I, I'll kick off this little bit if it's okay with you guys around what are the impacts on and let's move back to the professional world because I think that might be a little bit easier to to wrap up mm-hmm. um unless you don't want unless you've got other examples to use guys but for me what are the impacts on an individual's career progression um maybe personal progression then so for me there's two obvious ones that I can see now which is like risk-taking so like to progress to have that kind of entrepreneurial mindset, to take on new challenges, to push yourself, to achieve things in life. If you're feeling as though you have imposter syndrome, or actually let me phrase that, if you have imposter syndrome, you're going to not take as many risks, are you? That's going to hold you back because there's that fear of failure effectively or the fear of I cannot achieve that, I think is is certainly one um, that, that we need to have a little think about um, as one impactful point around it. Um, what others? What others have you guys come up with, or even now, off the top of your heads? What, what else can you think of that would um, that this would I impact? Mean, I... I did a bit of um, research because there's been quite a few studies on imposter syndrome around COVID, which is obviously um, 
I'm sure a time where it's probably um, become more heightened, but one of, a lot of the impacts, and I think which is really sad is that people don't have the opportunity to enjoy their success. Um, they don't feel worthy of that success. And I, and I think that's, that's really sad um, state of affairs to be in, but obviously it's happening. And as a result, I think of imposter syndrome, I mean, often people will, will, work harder they'll often be working longer hours um, in some in some cases there's a study where I think there's like a 35% increase with people in, with imposter syndrome actually avoiding sick days or even taking them leave um, and they wow. were like either over you know either over preparing putting things off missing deadlines so you can kind of see how it cascades and impacts lots of different areas um, of people's jobs and um, so I think that's that's really sad as well to see and what was also interesting is the impact on young workers so there was a, a big study that showed that a lot of the kind of gen z i think it's like 48 percent of the gen z that were studied felt that they had imposter syndrome and had that feeling of just being a fraud at work and i think you know if the younger generation are really feeling that you know how is that going to manifest throughout their career what what can be done now to sort of address that quite early on in their career i think that's a real shame to sort of see those sort of stats coming through already yeah. Definitely, yeah. that's really interesting. I think that instant gratitude may have something to do with that, just off the top of my head. Um, Chris, I guess same question to you. What are the impacts on business or people? Um, I agree with, with both your thoughts, really. I think um, de definitely the, the progress side, I think it can really hinder progress. Um, and, 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 you know, not just not taking risks, but also not, not um, taking opportunity when it's there because you see that as a risk. Um, mm. And I think, I, I think that people will tend to you know, stay, stay at their level for, for, for so long because they don't believe they should be doing better or should be better. Um, or, or again, as we've said, you know, um, rewarded for, for what they've done. Um, I think, again, I kind of go back to that gateway thing and I think I think it's so important not to let it manifest into something into something that really stops you mm. from progressing. And you know, we, we see it in, in this virtual world that we're in now, it's so much more difficult to recognize. But it, it could be something as you know, as, as small as someone putting off a meeting for a couple of days because mm. you know they you know, they might 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 be busy or whatever it might be, but um you know, imposter syndrome might be there. It, it could be that they're worried about their input or they're worried about you know, what's going to be said. Um, and, and without them going to get help or look at other ways to deal with it, that's, that's always going to be the case. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I just think, it, again, it, it is difficult to, to, to really label it as a, is all, all in one or all, all one thing. But, um, I think it's just something that needs to be caught early because mm. where we are now is it's so difficult to recognize it and, and it's even more difficult to help someone when you're not face to face with them um and, and you know dive deep into what the main issues are or what the, the the issues have stemmed from yeah no really good really good point um i guess a couple of others that i was just thinking about when you talked um, about the example you've gave for your colleague um that working harder piece um and that was something actually that i'd read or watched about how those with um that was it, it was on mike I'll give it a watch i'll quote some of these things they're quite good to watch mike cannon brooks's ted talk he talks about how people will work harder 
because they don't feel that they've justified what they've got. Um, I think I've explained that maybe not in the best words, but hopefully you get the point. Um, and then ultimately, that's what your example did. Worked harder or they worked harder for you to she. Um, and then you've got to then think, OK, that then needs to burn out. Right. And that's something that is real. You know, burnout is real. And it's something that's really topical at the moment, especially because of COVID. Um, so I think that's some, that's another impact. Yes, we're going to have people overworked. Um, and then ultimately that can lead to, lead to burnout, which then if you then <laughs> lead to burnout, you're in that vicious cycle of forgetting what your why is, um, losing vision, um, not wanting to lean into the problem and sort it out, um, not wanting to make your environment better. And ultimately, again, then that will naturally then go back around that vicious cycle of, well, self-doubt again um, and imposter syndrome. So all sort of good points raised, I think. Um, I think there's, there's I, one thing I've noticed about doing the, the, the research on this, especially, is that it's, it's very much viewed as a, as a real negative thing. I think it's, you know, everything that you look at is how to spot it, um, what it could mean in regards to, you know, negative things. But, but I also think there's, if you can learn to understand it and control it when, when you feel it's, it's growing, I think it could be a massive positive. And I don't think necessarily you, you want to get rid of imposter syndrome for good. Um, you know, for, for me personally, if, if I start to feel as though I don't know enough about something to warrant what I'm doing or, you know, I'm nervous about something, I, I, I kind of try and take a step away and use that as a springboard to do more positive things. Mm. Um, you know, without, without, without noticing what's happening, you can't really make that direct change. Mm. So for example, if, if, I, if I feel as though it's, it's starting to creep in and I'm starting to feel that way, for me, it's very much a, right, pull your finger out. This is what you need to do. You need to get help from this area, this area, this area, and, and make sure you know this or make sure you've got what you need to do to feel comfortable in this situation. Like preparing for a presentation, for example. Exactly yeah. that. Or, you know, doing a task that you know full well that you don't know enough about is, is a scary thing. You know, no matter what level you are or where you are in your career, it's, it's, you're going to have the fear. But if you can yeah, use that, you know, <laughs> if you if you can use that to then springboard yourself into action, then I see that as a positive thing. I I absolutely agree, Chris. There's been times where I've kind of recognised in myself whether I've labelled it imposter syndrome or not. Um, and certainly what's helped me, and I think I've mentioned this before, Jacob, is, you know, I see Jacob as one of my kind of internal mentors. He's kind of like a work buddy that I can go to, speak very openly, just have a bit of a sounding board. And I think yeah. sometimes having that go-to person um, at work is good. And there's been many a times where it's kind of snapped me out of that mindset. And I thought, Do you know what? I'm in that place again. I need I need to get out of that. So it can be a positive thing because it can also sometimes just give me that drive to go away and do something differently or approach a project differently. So I definitely agree. There is a lot of negative um, negative um, association with imposter syndrome, but but you're right. If channeled correctly, it can be used in a really positive way as well. I could not agree 
three more of those points. Philippa, you keep doing this. You keep raising some some point that's going to take me on beautifully to the next piece, <laughs> which is <laughs> it's like as if we scripted this, which we absolutely haven't. But my next question is, how do we manage this? And Philippa, you've already given an example, right, around having a mentor, someone to talk to, etc. And I'm sure you've got plenty more. For me, I've I've thought about one. Um, so I'm going to go first because if either of you guys have got it, I've not got anything else to talk about. Um, <laughs> and um, I'm going to like talk about another thought leader who I've been lucky enough to hear speak, Simon Sinek. And um, he talks, really quick little video on YouTube if you want to go and watch it, the stup- being the stupidest person in the room. And he's like basically interviewed and he says, look, I'm, I'm stupid. You know, I'm really stupid. I don't get really complex things. And you know, this is Simon Sinek, somebody that a lot of people will look to as a thought leader, which he obviously is. Um, but he doesn't, he's not a master of everything, right? So he gives an example of how he was a con- consultant, I think, and he's in the boardroom, loads of C-suite individuals. This chappy stands up, talks about all this stuff, and Simon puts his hands up and goes, I don't understand it. And one by one, he talks about how all these C-suite executives, yeah, I don't quite get it either. Yeah, I, I don't quite get it either. And I think one of the ways, so what I... The way I relate that to imposter syndrome is, first of all, probably all those C-suite people had imposter syndrome because none of them had the kind of gumption to go, yeah, I don't get this, um, which is absolutely fine. And so how do we manage it? We create a culture within business um, and socially probably as well that it's okay to be stupid. It's okay to kind of ask those silly questions. Um, I think it's also okay. um, And I think one of the things to cope with it personally, and certainly how I've maybe cope with it before is I've done that I've always asked the silly question the stupid question um maybe um or being the stupidest person in the room because ultimately I'm all right with that now I would never have done it before um so I think that's maybe one of the ways in which I've coped with myself now is actually I've just accepted it I've leaned into the problem and I've just gone yeah don't get this then I do understand it and then that in its way kind of enables me to go well, that's why I am here, because I do do those things. So I think that's probably, I hope I've made sense. Um, but that's probably the way in which I would say to manage it is lean into the problem. Absolutely. Don't be afraid of the stupid question, but it's down to these businesses to embrace that culture. I think that's really important. Yeah. And just on that point, Jacob, I bet you there was probably about five or three people in the room going, thank goodness he's just at the, asked that question. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, a lot, yeah, a lot of other people are thinking, well, I don't want to ask it. And then somebody does and they're like, oh, thank goodness they've asked that question. So I think there's a lot more yeah. people on that wavelength than perhaps we so realise. Simon Sinek says, if, if, you know, one by one, they all say, oh, we don't get, well, yeah, we don't understand, we don't understand it. But if he hadn't asked that stupid question, well, they're going to get somebody, they're going to basically pay for a bit of work that they don't get. And then if what happens if you don't understand it, well, you don't use it. So it's just going to be useless to the business. So yeah, com- completely um, valid point, Philippa. So anything else? How, how else can people manage this? What can we be doing in business or as individuals? Can I, can I just follow up on that point quickly? Oh, yeah. You, you, men- you mentioned then um, that you, know, you, you perhaps wouldn't have asked that question before, but now you feel comfortable doing it. Um, how do you, can, can you define, I guess, the, the things that changed your mindset around that? How did you go from that person that's scared to ask something you see as a stupid or silly question into someone that now can just do it because you know, you know, you've got the confidence to do that, so to speak? 
Yeah, it's, it's a good point. Uh, good, good question, sorry. Um, right, I think... I think for me, I can almost remember the first time I did it. I was working in my previous company and when I started challenging or asking those questions, because I remember kind of just getting really frustrated and I knew that it was going down a direction that how is anyone actually understanding this or why are we doing this? And I believe in it so much that I like I had to say something. Um, I can remember feeling so anxious about saying something, but I had to do it. And when I said it, the responses weren't what I thought they were going to be. It wasn't, are you having a laugh, Jacob? What the heck are you here? You're a senior manager in this business and you don't even know that. Um, because that's what I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. But actually, it wasn't. It was very similar to how Simon talks, Simon Singh talks about it. Simon, you know, my mate down the pub. Um, he, uh, he, <laughs> He talks about it in the same way I do. Actually, those other people that were at the same seniority level, more senior, more junior, all then kind of said, as Philip says, yeah, I don't actually get that either. Or, yeah, good point, Jacob. So once that happened to me once, I've, I've, I've done it since. And I actually think that that's been really helpful in my my own development because I understand so much more. Like, if I relate it to recruitment... Um, like contract recruitment was something that I just couldn't get my head around, like markup margin. I mean, how many people have sat there and been said, oh, yeah, margin markup and gone, mm, oh, yeah, 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 I know the difference. And actually, yeah. like, do you really? So when that question was asked to me, I just sort of said, well, yeah, what's the difference? Um, and at the time, I think I was a sales manager or something like that. Like, I definitely should have known it. Um, but I didn't, and that was fine. I didn't know it because when I asked the question, it was explained to me. I get it now, and now I can actually add value in that area. So, yeah, I mean that's just one one small example. But I hope that answers your question, Chris. Yeah. True. So I guess to summarise, feel the fear, do it anyway, and once you've done it once, it's like ripping a bandaid off. Um, you're not going to get the response that you do, and if you do get the stupid response, like uh, there's a company that I would have worked at where they probably would have been like that. Um, well, then you're not in the right place and go and find a culture that is right for you, that will embrace people to try and develop. That's my advice. Um, so any, any kind of final points quickly around anything else to manage it or um, we've touched upon stuff through the conversation, but um, obviously we've talked about mentorship. Um, I think definitely obviously spot the signs. We've talked a lot about some of the potential signs how they cope with stress, working patterns. I think what's really, really important and has definitely worked for me being on the receiving end, I think it's highlighting an employee's strengths, their personal strengths, you know, and talking about clarifying why you're bringing somebody in to have them on the project because of these personal strengths. And then afterwards sort of talking about how these contributed to the success of a project. Um, and I think it's always important um, to tailor your feedback, ask them how do they want their feedback, do they want it publicly, do they want it one-to-one, -one? Um, and I think hopefully that will reduce the kind of negative impacts that some, some forms of feedback can have on people with um, imposter syndrome. Brilliant, and Chris, anything to add to that? Uh, I, I think I'm just, just talking uh, personally, I guess, about um, not necessarily managing it, but, but um, I guess I guess trying to trying to get over it in a way. Um, 
but for me, it's definitely getting help from the right person. Um, there's there's two things actually. Get, getting help, and number two is is organized organization for me. Um, you know, if, even if we go back to what we spoke about earlier with the the, the being a parent thing, you know, I, I I knew I had to ask someone that that had been through it in order to to help me out. You know, and you you worry so much about certain things um, that that unless you're getting help from the right person. And again, like you said about, you know, maybe finding a different business if you're if you're not able to ask those silly questions, you're you're asking that question to the wrong type of person or to the wrong environment to really help you. Um, and, and you know, organization for me is is more about having having something to do in the future that potentially you're nervous or stressed or anxious or about or you've got imposter imposter syndrome around. Um and and making sure that you've got steps in place so when that time comes you're at the best possible place you can be in order to deliver it you know if you've got something in two weeks time that you're straight away you're worried about make sure that you know that over the next two weeks you've got enough planned in your in your diary in your you know your, your workspace so that you can work towards getting ready for it um and again e even yeah. on the, even the, the personal side you know you look at I think absolutely everyone has been, um, you know, a victim of Dr. Google, for example. And I'm, I'm the worst with it. If I wake up with a doggy leg, <laughs> you know, I go straight to Google. And, and, you know, there could be a million things wrong. And, that, and again, that's letting something manifest into something further. And I think it's the same with imposter syndrome, that if, if I'd actually made a call to the doctors first thing in the morning and organised, you know, a, a, a consultation for three days' time, I know that I'm going to someone that's going to give me the right level of help. And yeah. straight away, my nerves lower massively. The fear lowers massively, right? Mm. I'm doing something to make this better. Whereas oh. normally, or I used to, you know, sit there and look at the 2,000 things that are wrong with my leg and you worry more. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I think that preparation point is so important and something that i do to manage a lot of that stuff so final question then um does, what is imposter syndrome um is it its standalone only thing and what needs to happen to move it forward and to continue the conversation philippa you go first um, I mean, I think I stand, I stand by my original definition. I definitely think it's that fear of being found out, not quite believing your own success, um, despite often there being evidence there of that success. So I definitely think it exists, whether it's called imposter syndrome or work-related anxiety. I definitely agree with Chris's point and I've taken for me already. I do think that that pre-planning can make a big, big difference, providing obviously you don't kind of over-plan. I think there's got to be a balance between the two, but I think, you know, having that foresight before a task, anything that kind of makes you think, ooh, you know, just having that time to plan and hopefully increase your own self-confidence. So yes, for me, it, I definitely feel that it exists. And, and I think the more we talk about it, hopefully it can become more recognized and perhaps something that people are quite open to talk about, because I wonder how many people would openly admit that they do have imposter syndrome. And I think if we talk about it more, hopefully people will recognize it more and feel more comfortable to come forward and hopefully give employees, friends, whatever the situation, the opportunity to support them through it. 
Love that. Absolutely. Um, Chris? I'm a little bit on the fence now after this one. <laughs> but I think, I, think, um, I think it exists. I think it certainly exists. But I do think it, um, it's almost a group of a, a lot of things into one. And I think it, it, it needs a deep dive. I think there's either yourself or there's people that may feel that you're struggling with imposter syndrome or, or perhaps are already in too deep with imposter syndrome. I think there's, there's a lot more that needs to be discussed and looked at rather than just saying, well, you know, you, you shouldn't feel like that. You've done a good job or no, you're fine. You know, you, you've done well. You, you're in the right position for you. Um, okay. I, I think... <laughs> It's where it, I think act, action is is the most important thing here, and whether that's from a, as we said, a, you know, a planning perspective, or perhaps you've you, you've noticed a change in team members. I think catching it early is, is probably the most important thing in building plans around it. Um, the the most worrying thing really is 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 if you've got people in your team that you you know you feel might have it. You know, you have to be able to. To bring it to their attention and, and almost be quite blunt with it before you can do that deep dive otherwise you know if, if there's things that you're worried about um you know happening in a, in a week a day an hour you know a, a year's time sooner or later unless you address the real issues those that fear or that anxiety will become a bigger problem than actually what you thought you had imposter syndrome about in the first place okay if that makes sense yeah, no, it makes perfect uh, sense. It makes perfect sense. And I think for me, I am <laughs> completely the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I actually, after this conversation, it's really clear for me or my take on it. So for me, I actually believe that um, anxiety, just self-doubt in itself, by itself, um, depression and everything associated with that are one thing. And I think this, uh, to use Philippa's uh, and, and yours, Chris, that kind of I shouldn't be here type thing. Um, I've got here through luck rather than hard work. Um, the, the doubt of you, um, be it taking your child home in the car for the first time and thinking someone's going to come and take it away, be it um, as Neil Gaiman talks about someone showing up with a clipboard and convinced there was always going to be that knock at the door and the man with the clipboard is going to say, sorry, it's all over. Uh, they've kind of caught you. Go and get a real job. Um, that, for me, is, is imposter syndrome. And I think now than ever before, because it's getting talked about a lot more, um, certainly over the sort of last five years, I think it should have its own diagnosis. It should be standalone. It should be considered on, on the list, um, whereas it's not. Um, and I don't think it's just a phenomena. I think actually it is something very, very, uh, well, not saying that it's not real, but I think it's something real that should be diagnosed um, because I believe it's much more powerful um, and just as powerful and equally as powerful as depression, as um, anxiety. And I think some of those are subsequent effects of imposter syndrome, um, especially anxiety. So through just sort of speaking with you guys today, that's kind of my takeaway from it anyway good cool and i'll go last and that way you don't have to argue with me um 
cool. Well, look, I loved that. I thought it was fantastic. And um, I've certainly learned quite a lot through, uh, through speaking today. Um, so thank you both. Really appreciate it. Um, cheers for joining us, Chris. Thank you. It was great. Enjoyed it. Good stuff. And um, right. Take care. I'll, uh, Philippa, I'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, speak to you soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you both. Bye. Cool.